0: Blog Talk Radio. It's like you're looking through a telescope. Greetings! Thank you for tuning us in. I'm glad that you took time out of your busy schedule to listen to this broadcast. I'm so thankful for you enjoying some heavenly moments with us on this beautiful day that the Lord hath made. We're obligated to Prophetess and Reverend Stalling for making possible these moments on grace and truth through the Grace Media Network. And I'm praying that you will be especially blessed on this great Lord's day. The Lord has brought us this far by faith and we're leaning on the Lord. We've come through trials, great and small, but God has kept us through them all. Now today, we're going to go into the Psalms. We're going to deal with the 142nd Psalm. And from the 142nd Psalm, I'm going to read the 6th and the 7th verse. 10 unto my cry, for I am brought very low, Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison. I'll read that again. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall come past me about for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. May the Lord have blessed the reading of this word. Today, my subject is overcoming our prisons. Overcoming our prisons. Now, a prison is any place a condition of confinement, of forcible restraint. To be in that prisoner prison is a prisoner. A prisoner is a person held in custody, in captivity, or in a condition of restraint. You don't have to be behind a wall, but you can be in a condition of restraint. A prisoner is one deprived of freedom, of action, or experience. So the subject is overcoming our prisons. When I say overcome, I mean to defeat, conquer, overpower, surmount. To overcome means to prevail over to overpower, to be victorious. We as people of God are always, thank God that we are more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. So along with everything else, today we endeavor to tell you about overcoming. Let's see what David was really talking about in this 142nd psalm. Listen when he started in verse 1. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, with my voice unto the Lord, I made my supplication. This psalm is a psalm of David. It is called a didactic. It is said in the title to be a prayer when David was in the cave. And that either it was a prayer which he composed while he was there, which he composed afterwards, putting into a poetic form the substance of the prayer, which he breathed forth there, are expressive of the feelings which he had while he was there. The reference may be either cave of Abdullam or the death cave that's called Engedi. In both cases, the circumstances were substantial. They were just about the same. But David had fled to the cave to escape from Saul. He prayed. The prayer is such as would be appropriate to a condition of danger such as David was in at this particular time. It is a cry of distress when there was no refuge there was no hope except in God. When there seemed to be no way of escape from his enemies, when forsaken by his friends and pursued by an enemy who was seeking to take his life, he seemed now to be in the power of his foe. It may also be feelings of one who is now in danger could represent a sinner under condemnation, seeing no way of escape, exposed to ruin, shut up entirely to the mercy of God. Such a person feels, as David did on this occasion, that there can be no escape except through the interposition of God. In a situation like this, God is the only one that would be able to bring him out. So listen to what David said. David said, I cried, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. He uttered a loud audible prayer though he was alone it was not a mental ejaculation but it gave expression to his desires but my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication that Hebrew word rendered means did make my supplication means to implore favor asking God to have mercy on him. It denotes the language of petition and and entreaty, not the language of claiming. I don't have the victory now. I don't see no way out, but I'm going to call on God anyway. So David said, I poured out my complaint before him. Literally my meditation, that is, What so much occupied my thoughts at the time, I expressed it aloud. I cried it out aloud. The word complaint does not express the idea. The meaning is not that he complained of God or of man, but that his mind meditated on his condition. He was full of care and of anxiety. And he went and poured this out freely before the Lord. He said, I showed before him my trouble. I made mention of it. I spoke of it. And when have you ever really gone to God when you were going through your troubles when it seemed like the whole world was caving in on you? Did you really seriously go to him? And when you went to him, did you really believe that he was listening? Did you believe he was going to do something about it? I hope so. So David said, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, Luther rendered it like this, when my spirit was in distress, and the Hebrew word rendered overwhelmed means and cow to cover as with a garment or to be covered as with darkness and trouble and sorrow and then to languish and to faint and to be feeble. All these things had the best of me. The idea here is that in his troubles, he had no vigor, felt like he had no life, didn't have any spirit felt like throwing in the towel. He did not see how he could escape from his troubles, and he had no heart to make an effort. Then thou heardest, then thou knewest my path. That's what he taught. God knew my path. God could see what I was going through with. God could hear any cry that I made. He said, thou didst see all. In other words, say, God saw everything that I was going through. He saw everything that was rising up against me. Thou didst see the way that I was treading, and all this darkness and the dangers, implying here that God made it an object to remark his course, to see what egress there might be one way to escape from the danger. It was in no sense concealed from God. No danger of the way was hidden from God. It was much for us to feel when we got in serious, serious trouble and saw no way out. For criminals, liable to death by the law, criminals covered this refuge is the righteousness of Christ. There are several departments in this refuge for the various cases of the refugees, for all the attributes and perfections of God, the lasting covenant. He's the only one we can turn to When everything starts hitting against us, the sinners entering into the refuge is by faith. The same God in Christ who is the refuge for the poor sinners is also the portion for them to live by. So David went a little further, and he said, Bring my soul out of prison, but he hadn't gotten to that point yet. David was not in a jailhouse. David was not behind prison walls. David did not have a ball and chain on his legs. He didn't have shackles around his wrists, but he was in prison, and he saw no help. And that's why he called on God. Oh, yes, he was saying, God is my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. It's all right, but tell me when I get to heaven, I'm going to sit right down, ask my Lord for my started crown. But you've got to live right down here before you get up there. And God in Christ, the believer's refuge and portion, is the one we can call on and fall back on. God in Christ is the refuge itself. This refuge is by a legal destination, a refuge for lost mankind. This refuge is by legal destination, a refuge for those who don't have anywhere else to go. It's for the oppressed it's for the outcasts, it's for the debtors, it's for those who really want to get out of their prison. So David wanted to get out so bad, praying, and then he come down and said, bring my soul out of prison. I want to hear you in something that is so heart-rending and so bad and so sad and so treacherous, you've given up everything else, you ought to try God. So David was ready to throw in the towel, but I guess he said, no, I'm going to call on God. So he said, bring my soul out of prison. Yes, some souls are in prison the prison in which so many souls are cast. David said, in the way wherein I walked, the hunters laid a snare for me. No one had better intentions than David. And I believe that nobody has better intentions than we ourselves. But the best wishes will do us a little good, a little benefit unless we, brave, have brave resolves. To intend well is one thing, but if the intention stops short of action, it is a worth nothing. So when we intend well without practice, resolution, it seems as if a trap were laid for us. We're often caught in what seems to be our strongest point, because we do not guard and watch ourselves where we are unconscious of our weaknesses. Therefore, all need to take heed lest we also be caught tripping. So, David went on. David further said, The hunters are stronger than I. You'd be surprised how many people are out to get you. You'd be surprised to know how many people are waiting setting their traps for you. David said, the hunters are stronger than I. What makes our enemies strong? It is one's own weakness. The weaker you get, the stronger your enemy is going to get. Yes. So in your faith in God, you can build up your strength. David again cries, bring my soul out of prison. I'm sick of these prisons. Bring my soul out of prison. It's a blessed thing when a man feels that his inclination to sin is like having his soul in prison. Oh, yes. So many are in prison to drugs. So many in prison to dope. So many people are in prison a little old short cigarette, prison to reefers. Some people are in prison to alcohol, whiskey and beer and wine. Some people are in prison to unlawful sex, change in the course of nature. You need to ask God to bring you out of that prison. So David said, bring me out of prison. It's a blessed thing when a man feels that his indication to sin is like having his soul in prison. What man who is worthy of the name would not prefer liberty instead of bondage? Wouldn't you rather say, I'm free? Thank God, I'm free instead of telling folk I'm bound. I'm into something I can't shake loose. The devil made me do it. The devil got me bound. But don't you know the devil cannot ban you unless you are voting in the devil's behalf, listening to the devil and obeying the devil. He couldn't make you do that unless you willed it to the devil and let him take control of you and your life. Some of you had read the Pilgrim's Progress and Bunyan's Marvelous Parable when the Christian had been beaten sore by a giant thrust in the doubting castle, gave himself up to misery and despair. But one day he said, why? What a fool am I to stay here in all this wretchedness when I have in my breast a key. Now, I don't mean well somewhere else, but in my breast I have a key to unlock the gates of Doubting Castle. And then taking out the key, he found it fitted the lock, and he was able to, to escape. It was says Bunyan, a key of promise. Whatever promise God makes, God fulfills all of his promises. This should teach us that when we seek in God's word and find his promises, they are to us a key to open the door. Prison into which our sins have thrust us. Sins have thrown you in that prison, but you can get out. Would you have this priceless, this wonderful key always within your reach? If you want that, then you need to hold on to God's promises, which apply to every individual case. Man morally considered, Man's moral imprisonment. But Jesus is a light and a lamp to our pathway. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. There are some things. All sinners are in a state of bondage. There are spirits in prison. Like fallen angels, they are in chains of darkness. A state of darkness. Justice shuts out the light from the prison in the cold. cell. how morally benighted is the unregenerated soul having an understanding darkness, winds up in a state of confinement, materialism and intemperance and avarice and prejudging, unholy association, habits, manacling his faculties, a state of criminality, a prisoner, is under sentence of condemnation. So every sinner is a moral criminal, condemned to lack by God and by his own conscience. Man's moral liberation is only through God. You need to say like David, bring my soul out of prison a consciousness of its wretched condition. Oh, wretched man that I am, how can I become free? Who can level these massive walls? Who can break these fetters? A consciousness that God alone can deliver me. Bring my soul. It's me, oh, Lord in the need of prayer, not my mother, not my father, not my sister, not my my brother, not my preacher, not my teacher, but it's me in the need of prayer. Bring my soul out of prison. David feels he cannot emancipate himself, nor can his fellow man affect his deliverance. Hence he looks who came and said, I will set you free. I can praise his name. Deep in the heart of all men is the feeling of obligation to worship God. Moral misery consists in this. The soul feeling its obligation to worship and yet unable to do so through the enthralling influence of its corruptions. Hence, the text may be regarded as the prayer convicted soul. I must worship thee. My conscience urges me to worship you. Well, overcoming, overcoming our prisons. And I have to wrap it up. But everybody has some kind of prison. But you need to get rid of those prisons. Prisons we build for ourselves are many. But the text in 142 and 7 says, Bring my soul out that I may praise thy name. Many of us who are law-abiding citizens are busy building prisons for ourselves. Every day we make the walls around us a little higher and a little thicker. Here are a few examples of these self-made prisons. Says first, the prison of self-disparagement. We are our own worst enemies. We make things bad for ourselves. There's the prison of over-criticalness. We see only the worst in other people. See everything bad in them. Can't see anything in us. That the prison of chronic worry. For whatever is not of faith is sin. Worry will kill you. To us, the picture of our future is painted only in black. That's a prison. The prison of dwelling in the past. You cannot call back one minute. Yesterday is gone forever. You need to concentrate on living today. Get out of the prison of dwelling in the past. Get out of the prison envy. For envy is a terrible thing. A feeling of discontent, resentment, aroused by contemplating another's desires, possessions, All politeness. Get rid of the prison of envy. Get rid of the prison of hate. We desire evil for other folk. And so we lock ourselves away from every blessing that God could put upon us. That is the prison of sin. The jailer is pride. Pride is the jailer that keeps us locked in. There's a key, the key prayer. It's the key that can open the door. I got a telephone in my bosom. I can ring God up from my heart. God is standing before the door of our self-made prisons, and he's waiting to welcome us into the light of his new day that day in which he promised that we would have life, that we would have it more abundantly. You need pray that the Almighty God would bless, would keep, would guide and strengthen. But the first thing, ask him, dear Lord, bring me out of my presence. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to every person who tuned in this broadcast today. We're praying for every bound person, minds bound, hopes bound, desires bound. Take those things away. Give them peace in their mind and joy in their soul. Give them healing in their bodies from the crown of the head to the sole of their feet. Let them feel your healing power moving mightily upon them right now. Bless them, O God, to go forth as new vessels in Christ Jesus. May God bless you, and may God keep you. Amen.